And I do want to try to finish this, this lesson off. I will not finish the series. Brother Nelson, this is, that's all right. There you go. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate you leaving it up here. It's got the words to all the songs we sing. And once in a while I get, you know, my, my old timers kicks in. And I forget things. But, so it's good to have, have it there in front of me and be able to remember. All right, uh, I do want to finish the lesson I started last week, Lord willing. I want to finish it tonight, and then I don't know, we'll, because of the season, I'm not sure what we'll be doing in the next couple of weeks, um, but uh, we've only got a couple more churches to deal with after I finish this one, whether we will do that before the end of the year or not, I don't know. We'll leave that in the hands of the Lord, but I do want to try tonight to finish what I started last week. And uh, so if you would turn with me, I'm going to do things a little different tonight. Every night that I have taught on the seven churches, we have read from Revelation chapter 1. I'm not going to do that tonight. Uh, every week after the first week, I have done a general review of everything that we've covered up to that point. I'm not going to do that tonight. I'm going to try to cut all that out because it's only been a week, and if you've forgotten in a week's time, um, well, never mind. I forgot what I was going to accuse you of, so no, not really. All right, Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 1. We're just going to start with this letter to the church at Sardis, all right? And that's not sardines, that's Sardis. And under the angel of the church in Sardis write, these things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names even in Sardis which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Amen. So we are on part two of this study of the church in Sardis in our lessons from the seven churches. Would you put your Bible down? Let's ask the Lord to help us tonight. Ask him to speak to us. I do have some things I feel on my heart tonight and I need the help of God. Let's pray together, everyone. Bestowed upon us and for the touch of your spirit 
Lord, that we have felt already in this service. Speak to us tonight from the pages of your word. Anoint my lips, my mind, my heart, my spirit. And anoint this people tonight, God. Lord, that they might respond to the word of God as you would have them to. We thank you now in Jesus' name. Let's worship him together. Everybody, let's worship the Lord. Come on, everybody, let's worship the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. As I said, I'm not going to do a general review. I'm going to focus just on uh, reviewing a few points uh, that we covered last week. And there will be some other points of review that I'll bring up as we go through the lesson tonight. Uh, and so last week, I, um, I, I began talking to you about the church and the city of Sardis. And we talked about the history of this city. And it's quite an interesting history. We talked about its geographic location and how it was situated at the top of a plain. Uh, three sides of that plain were basically unscalable. You could not get up them. They were sheer. There was one side where there was some access, but, but it was very difficult to get there unless you happen to know the way there. And we talked about that last week. We talked about how important this city was uh, in its heyday. What an what, what a rich city it was. What a powerful city it was. And yet, we also pointed out that repeatedly in its history, it fell to enemy hands. It happened more than once. And it happened, we, we showed you, we, we told you, it happened because that one side uh, that was so difficult to get into, but the only way they could really get in, uh, the, the people of Sardis felt so confident uh, in their condition. They felt so safe. They felt like nobody would ever find their way in. And so they did not see a reason to watch. They did not put guards on that one side that was accessible because they didn't think anybody would find their way there. And so because there was nobody guarding it, because nobody was watching it, Cyrus was the first to come and capture that city. And we'll talk more about that in a few moments. But uh, he was the first to come and capture it. And then it happened again and again. It was a lesson, unfortunately, that the people of Sardis never learned. They did not learn to keep watch. And that's important as you read this letter and you see uh, how the Lord more than once uh, instructs them concerning being watchful. Obviously what had happened to them militarily, what had happened to them politically, what had happened to them strategically, what had happened to them physically was also happening in the spirit. And, and, and I want to say this church, I didn't really hit on this much last week, but I want to say that, that if we're not careful, the same thing happens in apostolic churches today. Now please remember, the church at Sardis was not 
And I know this is going out over the internet. Thank you to those that are listening online. Um, we want you to be in church, though. We, I'm, I'm not going to quit saying that because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to try to help motivate you. We want you here. We need you here. And furthermore, you need to be here. If you're sick and can't get here, if you're working and can't come, that's one thing. But, but to just stay home. Uh, you're doing yourself and the rest of the church a great disservice. You really are. So I've said that now. Let's move on. Praise God. So, so uh, it's, it's important that we understand the church at Sardis uh, was not a denominal church. It was not a church that uh, had been founded on false doctrine. This was, it was started as a one God, Jesus name, apostolic church. Please keep in mind that all seven of these started that way. All of them started that way. So we're not talking about some denominal church. We're talking about an apostolic church. And I'm going to tell you, I've watched the same thing happen in apostolic churches in our day and age. That whatever's going on politically, whatever's going on in the rest of the world, it starts infiltrating into the church. The church starts picking up what the world's doing. The, the church starts adapting adopting the ideology that becomes prevalent in the world it happens it happens it shouldn't happen we should be influencing the world not the world influencing the church but unfortunately unfortunately now help me lord i got too far to go to get off on all these sidetracks. But, but unfortunately, uh, there are too many that, that want to set their standards. They, wanna, they want to look like what's popular in culture today. They want to fix their hair the way it's popular in the world. I, I've, I've seen young, both young boys and young girls who who would literally meet the standard. But they would style it in such a way that it looked like the world. Now look, I, I'm, one of these days soon, I'll, I'll probably be teaching a series on holiness again. It's been a while since I've done it. But let me just sum it up in this. If you wonder, if you wonder how you ought to look or dress, look at your pastor and pastor's wife. If you don't see us causing our hair to stand up in all directions, looking like we just got in a fight with a chalkboard, neon streaks here and there, and you, you don't see us doing all kinds of crazy things, just, just know this, that we are living the standard that we preach here. And uh, enough said. Don't, don't look to the world. You don't need to try to look like Patrick Mahomes or whoever he is. That's right. 
You don't need to try to look like, you don't need to try to look like some sports figure or some rock star or some movie star. I'm going to tell you what they are. They're fallen stars. That's what they are. They are fallen. They are not godly examples for you to pattern your life after. Pattern it after somebody that's apostolic. Find somebody that's been in the church for a long time. Somebody you know, you know, if you don't like the way I shave the top of my head back here. I don't really shave it. God did that for me. Uh, I, didn't have him, I didn't have any choice. It just happened that way. Probably, probably the Lord was, was having a little fun because I used to make fun of my dad's. And so God gave me one right in the same spot. <clears throat> Be careful, little tongue, what you say. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. So, so um, if you don't like the way, the way that I, I part mine or comb mine, then find somebody that you know has got the pastor's approval and, and pattern after them. But don't look at the styles of this world and try to follow what they're doing. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We, if we're not careful, the world will start affecting us rather than us affecting them. It happens, it happens, it happens, it happens. Uh, I'm trying to be careful in what I say tonight and I, I want to go on but you know a few years ago we had a president who was, who was accused, denied it and then later proven to be guilty of certain acts of immorality and uh, he kind of made it uh, popular that that wasn't really it wasn't really sin it wasn't really that bad what he did because he didn't do certain other things and then I was shocked to find out that the same mentality was bleeding over into the church and there were young people that were doing things saying we're not, we're not committing sin we're not committing sin it, it was going on in fact it, I got word it, was, it had become very rampant in a particular college uh, in the oneness movement and, and it was going on very, very frequently. And, and it was because they had adopted a mindset that had been promoted by the world. Not a mindset promoted by the church, but by the world. And, and I'm just telling you, this is what happened to Sardis. What the, 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 the problems, the weaknesses, the faults of, of the Sardis people the things that they had experienced historically as a nation became the history of the church. And the church was guilty of doing the same thing the world had done. Maybe that helps you to, to understand a little better the layout of this letter, which is different. 
it is different. That's the other thing that we pointed out that I want to say before we get into the letter itself is that up until now, every letter that we've read, the Lord always started by commending the church, telling them the good things that were in them, uh, the good things that he approved of, the things that they were doing right, and he would address that for a while. And then after he'd built them up, then he'd go in and let them know. Now having said all that, as, is, as was the case with Ephesus, I still have somewhat against you. And he would then tell them what needed to be corrected. It's like one of my grandsons was with me. Um, we were on vacation and we were in a church that was um, <clears throat> apostolic in name only. And, uh, and the pastor asked me to say something. And so I, I wasn't going to get up and it, it wasn't my job. I'm not the pastor of that church. I'm not going to try to correct that church. I'm not going to try. You know, unless God specifically told me to say something, I wasn't about to just start addressing what I saw. But I just got up and started thanking God for his goodness to me and giving some of my testimony. And, of course, I ended up in tears thinking about the goodness of God. And one of my grandsons leaned over. Uh, I don't remember if it was to his, to his mom or uh, to my wife, but he leaned over to somebody and said, Yep, said he's fattening them up for the kill. <laughs> he, he thought I was just trying to win them over for when I was going to lower the boom on them all. <laughs> uh, it wasn't the case. But, but it does seem like that's a little bit of what Jesus was doing in most of these letters. He, I mean, he built them up, built them up, built them up, and then wham, here's what's wrong with you. But with Sardis, he opens the letter with correction. He didn't even build them up. He just started by telling them what's wrong. I know thou works. This is verse one. I know thy works. Thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. Wow. I mean, first rattle out of the box. So, that's really about as far as we got. We did start into verse 2. We didn't really finish verse 2. We're going to pick up there as we continue on with this lesson. And I've only got a few minutes to do it. And I, I've added more to my notes from last week. And so, <clears throat> I've got a long way to go yet. So, let's start here. Revelation chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. Read for me. Be watchful and strengthen uh, no, the things. Uh, wait, wait. Do you notice what he said here? Do you understand the significance now of why he says in, now in verse one, he closes by saying, you've got a name that you're alive, but really you're dead. And then the first thing he says is be watchful. Yes. These are not just words he just happened to say, but he understood and they understood the significance of that term. We'll talk about, about it more. Let's read on. Read verses 2 and 3. And strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard. And hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch. I will come on thee as a thief. And thou shalt not know what I 
what hour I will come upon thee. All right. I want to get those verses out of the way before I got too far in all this. But, but I, I've already addressed their lack of watchfulness. But I want to examine it just a little bit more in detail. This word watch means to be vigilant, to be awake. In fact, one commentator said that it may perhaps be a military metaphor derived from the duty of those who are stationed as sentinels to guard a camp or to observe the motions of an enemy. Now, did you get that? He's saying that the word has military connotations to it. When he talks about watching, he's talking about the military guards whose job it is to protect the city from invasion, from attack. It's their job to protect what's on the inside and to fight against what's on the outside. And that's what's wrapped up in this word watch. But that's what the people of Sardis continually failed to do. And the Lord is saying to the church, don't let it happen in the church anymore. It's happened enough in the city. The city has fallen and had to rebuild. Fallen and had to rebuild. Fallen and had to rebuild. Don't let it happen to the church. Watch. Now, I got on this last week, and I didn't really go into it in detail, but but I mentioned to you that Cyrus, when he took uh, Sardis, when he conquered it, uh, he did something very, very deliberate that forever changed the city of Sardis. He absolutely, when he took control of Sardis, he forbade the people from possessing weapons. They were not allowed to have weapons of any kind. I won't get into all that, but there's a reason why governments don't want their people to be armed. Enough said. He didn't want an uprising. He did not want them to try to build an army. He didn't want them to be able to defend themselves against his army. Next, he ordered them to wear certain tunics, a certain kind of robe, and to wear actor's boots. They had to live their whole life wearing the boots that they were familiar seeing on the stage. It was as if, Brother Nelson, every day they're getting up and telling their subconscious, this is all an act. I've got to just go through the motions of life, pretending to be something I'm not. Cyrus knew what he was doing in all of this. He also ordered them to teach their sons how to play musical instruments, teach them how to sing and dance, teach them how to to manage retail. But he did not want them in the carpenter or mining industries because there was always the potential 
that if they got the right materials and the right skills, they could build their own weapons. He didn't want them working with bronze. He didn't want them in any kind of labor that might possibly result in a more warlike society. He wanted them to sing and dance and act, but never fight. This is where I, I, I touched on it last week, but I didn't get into it like I want to right now. But I'm going to tell you, there was, a, there was an intentional effort on the part of Cyrus. If I can get these people to have a mindset, amen, they know how to dance, they know how to sing, they know how to act, right. but they don't know how to fight. And as long as they don't know how to fight, we don't have anything to worry about. Cyrus knew he would never be overthrown. There would never be an uprising if the people did not know how to fight. And I'm going to tell you, church, this is a danger in the apostolic church today. The people of Sardis knew the dance. They knew the song. Amen. They, they knew how to make some money. But they didn't know the first thing about fighting. And if we're not careful, we're going to end up the same way. We know how to sing the songs. We know how to dance the dances. We know how to lift our hands at the right time and go through the motions. We come into church with our actor's shoes on, but we don't know how to fight. And listen, if we don't fight, we're going to lose. We'll be slaves the rest of our lives if we don't fight. Yes. Are you going to help me tonight? I know, I know that what I'm saying to you may not be inspirational, but it's instructional. We got to get a hold of this church. Listen, when I'm out of town, that's not the time to coast in the service. You got to make up your mind. I'm not putting on my actor's shoes. I'm not going to come in here and pretend to play church. I know there is a fight, and I've got to fight. We got to break through every stronghold. We got to know. We got to know how to fight the enemy. We gotta know how to pray prayers of intercession. We gotta know how to get a hold of God and bring about a move of the spirit. It's not just singing the song and dancing the dance, but it's about fighting. Now look, I don't want to be misunderstood because you know I love and believe in and promote apostolic worship. We have to have it. And I don't want to ever, ever throw a wet blanket on apostolic worship. We lose that, we lose our identity. Hallelujah. So I'm not knocking that. We've got to have that. But I'm just telling you that there's got to be something more than just worship. Something more than just praise. We got to learn how to fight. Right. 
I taught a whole series last year on teach my hands to make war. Maybe you need to go back and find those recordings and listen again. God help us to get to the place we know this is a battle. We haven't won yet. We're on our way. We're seeing little victories. But the war is not ended. So we got to come to church every service with our mind made up. I'm going to fight tonight. I'm going to fight tonight. Hallelujah. I got to learn how to make intercession. I got to learn how to pull down strongholds. Got to learn how to do it. I got to be familiar with it. You know, I've, I've, I've talked in the past uh, about the man in Colorado Springs, old brother Emery, now way up in years and not, not doing well, but, but in his heyday, I'm telling you, the, the, the real breakthroughs that they saw in Colorado Springs were many times because when a service was bound, there was a man that knew how to intercede and he'd start praying until God sent liberty. I heard, I heard a recording of Elder Verbal Bean who saw great revivals, 100 soul revivals. But he made a statement. He said, when I go into a church, I can tell you in the first few nights whether we're going to have revival in that church or not. And he said, here's how I know. He said, I start looking to see if there's somebody sitting on the pew that knows how to intercede when the service starts getting locked up. He said, if they don't have an intercessor, we might as well just close down revival and move on to another place. But if I can find just one person that will come into that service with their mind made up, that I'm going to intercede. If the preacher's having trouble, if he's struggling, I'm not going to sit back and coast. I'm not throwing it into neutral. I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight until the man of God has got liberty so he can preach the way he needs to preach. And the word of God can do what it needs to do. Listen to me. An intercessor is more important. I'm not putting anybody down. Don't misunderstand me. But an intercessor is more important than a song leader. An intercessor is more important than an organist. It's more important than a pianist. It's more important than a Sunday school teacher. It's more important than anything else. We need some intercessors. Watch, watch, watch. You gotta, you gotta put on the armor. You gotta get ready to fight. We can't roll over and play dead. We can't just start waving the white flag. Well, I'm tired tonight. I don't feel like worshiping. I've had a hard day. Yeah, I have too. You want to hear about my day? I didn't think so. Our flights were delayed last night. We, we didn't get back to the airport until sometime after midnight. It took forever for them to get us a bus to take us back to our car. We got back to our car finally. I don't know what time it was, 12.30 or so. Started to leave. Saw some poor man, his wife in one of those, uh, one of those um, uh, 
barn deals they got out there, you know, for people to park the cars. And, and, and his wife was in there with the luggage, and he's out walking around with this look on his face. And I said, I, I know what's going on. So we stopped and said, sir, can we help? He said, I can't find my car. I've walked all over. I can't find my car. I said, get in. We'll find it. We'll, we'll, we'll go. So I took time to drive him through the parking lot until we finally located his car and, and let him find his car. As a result, I walked in the door of my house at 2 o'clock this morning. By the time we unpacked our bags and got to bed, it was 3. I've been on the phone or texting almost all day today trying to help folks and deal with folks. And You know, I'm not complaining I'm just telling you, when I come to church, I'm going to put all that aside. Because there's one important thing that has to happen when I get to church. All the rest of that I can deal with later. But tonight, we've got two hours. We've got just a little bit of time. And we've got a battle to fight. And we don't get together again now like this until Sunday morning. I can't let this night slip. you got to understand how important Tuesday night is. It's not just midweek Bible study. This is battle night. This is the night we got to fight to make it through the rest of the week. This is a night we're either going to gain ground or lose ground. And if we lose ground on Tuesday night, we're going to struggle come Sunday. Oh, but if I can get somebody to make up in their mind, I'm going to be an intercessor. I'm going to watch. I'm going to be prepared. I'm going to fight until we have a breakthrough. You want a position in the church? I got one open. Hallelujah. Help wanted. I don't care the age. I don't care the gender. I don't care the race. I don't care how long you've been in church or haven't been in church. I just need somebody to fill the job. I've had too many times that I've got up behind this pulpit and had to fight, fight, fight and walk out of the pulpit feeling like I've been in a boxing match and I didn't win. I need somebody that's going to make up their mind. It's not happening again, Pastor. We're not going to let that happen again. I'm going to be fighting. I'm going to get in there and keep watch. And if the enemy thinks he's going to sneak into our service, he's got another thing coming. We're not going to let down the guard. We're going to fight. Oh, yeah. Listen, there'll be plenty of times for shouting. There'll be plenty of times for dancing. There'll be plenty of times for singing. There'll be plenty of times for the rejoicing. Oh, but God, help us when the moment is right to, to find somebody that will get under a burden and pray their way through until victory comes. We're not, we're not handing out badges. 
like we do the ushers. Thank God for our ushers. We need them. But we're not going to hand out badges that says intercessor. You just got to do it. You may never get any recognition on this side of heaven. But I can promise you this, when you get over there. No, no, no. I don't think you understand. When you get over there. I'm convinced the Lord is going to call you out publicly and he's going to say, do you remember on such and such a night how tight the service was? It's because you fought. It's because you interceded and that's the reason there was a breakthrough that night and you don't even know somebody was sitting on that pew about to throw in the towel. Somebody was sitting on that pew so discouraged they couldn't hardly lift their head but you interceded. You didn't know what was going on but you interceded and because you did Holy Ghost began to flow power of God began to fall and that discouraged saint began to lift up their head and then lift up their hands and victory came to them and they felt like I can make it another service I can make it another week I can go on a little while longer you didn't realize the victory you accomplished Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 What the church needs. What every church needs. What every church needs is at least one intercessor. Somebody that can touch God. Somebody that can pray until liberty comes. Let's lift our hands. Let's love the Lord right now. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's talk to him for just a moment. Lord, here am I. Send me. Here am I, Lord, send me. You say, I don't know how to do it. I promise you, you make yourself available to God, he'll help you to do it. Just don't fight it when it comes on you. You, you can't worry about what somebody else is going to think. You can't sit there and say, well, somebody's going to criticize me because I'm not this and I'm not that, or I am this and I am that. I, I don't care what anybody else thinks. You're going to have to push past that and just make yourself available. God, I'm not doing it for anybody else. I'm not asking for anybody else to pat me on the back. I'm not doing it for recognition. Nobody may even know what's going on. But God, I want to do it for the sake of our church. I want to do it for the sake of my brothers and sisters. I want to do it for the sake of this city. I'm telling you, when sinners walk in the door, immediately. Now look, we, we've won some victories, church. I've, I've been talking about it in our Sunday morning sessions. I've been talking about the victories God's given us, and I'm thankful for it. But I'm going to tell you, there's still a battle we're fighting. The minute sinners walk in the door, you can feel things start to tighten down. 
The devil does not want us to see that breakthrough among the lost. That's what he's fighting us over right now more than anything else. He does not want that wall to come down. But I'm going to tell you, he doesn't have any choice. If there's one intercessor that the minute a sinner walks in the door you can get under a burden and start saying all right god we've got to have you now don't let our singers don't let them be bound don't let our musicians be bound god put a special touch on our song leader give him the mind of god let him say the right words and when the preacher gets up to preach you're still praying. God, God, don't let the devil stop the planting of the seed in the heart of the sinner. Now, God's not going to force a sinner to come to the altar. God doesn't force anybody to do anything. But I tell you what, we can pray and force the devil to leave them alone. We've got authority over the devil. Did you hear me? We've got authority over the devil. God's not going to pick somebody up by the nap of the neck and throw him in an altar. But I'll tell you what he will do. He'll grab the devil by the nap of the neck and throw him out the front door. And then that sinner can think more clearly. Do I want this or don't I? What do I need to do tonight? Where do I need to go tonight? Do I need to go to the altar? And the devil's not stopping him. Oh, hallelujah. Lord have mercy. I know there's going to have to be at least a part three to Sardis. I don't apologize. But here's what I'm seeing tonight. And I never thought about this. I didn't put this in my notes. But here's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing this church sitting on that plateau like Sardis was. And I'm seeing that the Lord has shaved some of the walls to give us protection in certain areas. There are certain things that we're seeing God do that we hadn't seen him do in a long time. And the devil can't scale those walls. But there's still one, there's still one entry point. There's still one wall. where the devil knows how to find the cracks and make his way in. And it's when it comes to sinners. Are you hearing me tonight? I'm seeing us tonight like I've never seen us. I'm seeing us where Sardis was. There's, there's that one side where there's some cracks and the devil knows how to get in those cracks and find his way into this city. The minute a sinner walks in here, he knows how to start binding things up. So you know what's got to happen. The only reason he's able to do it is if we let down our guard. If we quit watching. But if we've got our eyes open and we're watching and we recognize this is how the devil keeps us from growing. 
this is how the devil keeps us from seeing the fullness of revival that we need to see there's that one area that we haven't been watching like we need to but I'm calling on the truth church tonight let's set a watch let's set a watch let's set a watch oh God I feel this in the Holy Ghost let's set a watch the minute a sinner walks in you gotta come to attention I don't care what problems you're facing I don't care what you're going through I don't care what your struggle is I don't care how bad you feel you gotta lay that aside you're a soldier in the army you got a job to do you want to talk about being watchful make a trip sometime to Washington, D.C., and go sit in front of the tomb of the unknown soldier. I've been there. It's amazing. Now listen, those guys, all they're doing is guarding some dead bones. But really, they're doing more than that. They're protecting the integrity of this nation they're honoring the sacrifices made by men and women to bring us to where we are and they take that very seriously I'm telling you you know we live in a society generations really don't really understand much about respect anymore so they get in there and they start laughing and cutting up but I've seen those soldiers stop in their tracks and call those people to attention. You're not going to do that here. They take it serious. Brother Hilton, it's, it's, it's major business to them. And I'm telling you, it doesn't matter if it's a hurricane, a snowstorm. It doesn't matter if icicles are hanging off their nose. They're going to be out there marching. And I'm telling you, here we are, saints of God. We're supposed to be defending the city of our God, which is what the church is. But I've got, I've got problems tonight. I've got, I, I, I got, I got an ingrown toenail tonight. So I'm just, you just got to understand, it just hurts so bad, preacher. I, I, just, I just can't, I, I just can't, I can't even raise my hands. Wait a minute. It's your toenail, and you can't raise your hand? I'm being facetious, but I'm saying that sometimes that's how petty we get. Well, I've got this problem. Somebody, somebody cussed me out today. Somebody did me wrong. Somebody in the church mistreated me, and so I just don't feel like worshiping tonight. And so you let down the guard. Oh, Jesus, help us. I'm going to tell you what really has to happen. Being an intercessor doesn't require a lot of skill or talent. doesn't require a lot of time in the kingdom. It requires a determination and a commitment. I'm going to do it. No matter how I feel, no matter what's going on, no matter what my circumstance is, I'm just going to do it. 
Now, I promise you, you make that commitment and the devil's going to throw everything at you, including the kitchen sink. He won't just pull the rug out from under you. He'll, he'll pull the floorboards. He'll do everything he can do. You make a commitment that I'm going to intercede no matter what, and he'll find out just how much you mean that commitment. But you need to show him, I'm serious about this. And I may not feel up to doing it with all the strength I want to do it tonight, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to do it. I may not feel like getting in here and running the aisles, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to do what I can do tonight. Because we got to guard this city. We've got to set a watch. Saints of God, are you with me tonight? I don't want to be like Sardis. I don't want God to have brought us to this place of spiritual prosperity. Brought us to this place of spiritual glory. Oh, I feel this. I don't want God to have brought us to this place where we feel his power the way we've been feeling it. But yet there's one area that we're not really watching out for. There's one area we're not really being cautious of or conscientious about oh God help us we gotta be watchful we gotta set a guard let's stand it's it's past nine o'clock I didn't make it I didn't even finish what I tried to finish last week. Didn't even get through the end of last week. But I don't apologize. I'm telling you, we got to set a watch. Sardis, Sardis, I got an instruction for you. Before I tell you anything else, I got to tell you this. Be watchful if you're not going to be watchful nothing else I have to say is even going to matter because the enemy will come and the enemy will take your city you will fall to the ones that hate you if you won't be watchful so before we go any farther, Sardis, before I tell you anything else, Sardis, before I give you any other instruction, Sardis, listen to me, be watchful. And so tonight... The recruitment office is open. There's a position that we need to fill. There's a job that's been vacant for too long. Is there anybody under the sound of my voice? It says, look no further. Look no further. Look no further. <laughs>